Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD, where the doctor helps you unlock your full potential by equipping you with tools and knowledge in the areas of health, wealth, and wisdom, anchored in his experience as a business executive, a physician surveyor for the Joint Commission, a former mayor, and over 50 years of experience as a general surgeon. You've got questions, he's got answers. So let's get started. Here's Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD. So, what are some types of advanced directives? Living will is a type of advanced directive. A will is where uh, individuals say what they want uh, done um, uh, as uh, after they pass on. Um, healthcare power of attorney, again, is another type of advanced directives. So let's let's look again at at definitions. So it is a way that individuals can say what they want, uh, what they want done in terms of their health care. That can also be expanded, by the way, uh, and it could be a a will itself. Um, Now, many times the way the legal the law applies to these types of fit situations will vary depending on which state you're in. So keep that in mind. Now, I'm in the state of California. So when I talk about the legal issues, and I'll try to always uh, identify that, I'm talking about the legal issues as it applies in the state of California. If you're in New York or uh, Florida or, or Alabama, Mississippi, um, Chicago, um, these uh, it, it may very well be different for you. Uh, so please consult your local uh, legal authority in terms of how the law applies. But the definitions are basically the same. Uh, that an advanced directive is offered throughout the country. Uh, and indeed, uh, one of my responsibilities um, uh, after I had finished active practice and I was involved with uh, um, uh, working with the Joint Commission as a physician surveyor in the hospital side um, is to make sure that all hospitals would ask the question, of every single admitted patient, do you have an advanced directive? And we would encourage them to follow up with that. If you do not, would you like one? And if so, we can help you. So my point is that this is universal throughout the country, all 50 states. Um, Hospitals are required to ask about advanced directives and or assist patients who are admitted uh, to uh, create their own advanced directive. But you can put anything you want in an advance of directive, and you can have it be as limited or as broad as you want. Uh, some uh, individuals uh, uh, may want to include financial information in their advance directives or um, funeral information in their advance directives. It, it, really, it really is suited to the individual patient. But for our purposes today, uh, we're going to talk about it as it relates to healthcare. Um, within the hospital for the most part. So as we said, it's also in the state of California, at least, it's called a living will or a medical power of attorney. So it, it, is, a, it is a legal document uh, that has uh, certainly has authority. It has legal authority. And again, the who would be interested in having a uh, advanced directive would be an older adult or someone, an older adult or in or someone with severe uh, chronic illness. 
So how do you do an advanced directive? Well, it should be in writing because, again, remember, we say it's a legal document. And, and the good way to think about that is when we said legal, we mean something in writing. Um, and in addition to being in writing, there has to be a validation process of the writing. So there are two steps here with an advanced directive. Um, uh, patient Jones decides um, that she wants to have certain things done or not done uh, if she gets to certain stages um, uh, with her illness. And so she wants to put it in writing. Um, and someone can record that for her. But the second part of that is there must be, that writing must be validated. And we'll talk about specifically what that means. So an advanced directive, again, is a legal document. Now, it does not have to be fancy. Um, one can just sit down and dictate and or write what they want um, with a pen or you can easily go online and put in advanced directives and a, a number of sample documents would appear um, and you can go by those guidelines. What I encourage patients to do is when, when you go to your regular doctor's appointment or if you are um, uh, being admitted to the hospital for some reason, um, let them know uh, that you would like to have an advanced directive. Now, they're supposed to ask you anyway, but but just for the sake of what you let them know, uh, or if you're going with your parent or your grandparent and you had that discussion with them, just say, you know, uh, my mom would be interested in setting up an advanced directive, or my father would be interested in setting up an advanced directive. Um, that that's probably the best way uh, to approach this. Um, because, you know, as a physician, as a surgeon, uh, I have certainly been in situations where there was no advanced directive. Um, and usually the circumstances would be uh, there are multiple children taking care of the multiple children in the family. Uh, usually there's one child, son or daughter, who has taken care of mom or dad or grandma or granddad, but let's say mom or dad, um, and other siblings or other parts of the country, other parts of the world. But when, when mom gets sick, everybody flies in, uh, and then everybody wants to be a part of what's done or not done with mom or dad um, or with, with the patient. Um, however, if the patient is asked prior to having a, a severe sickness or illness, what they would like done or not done, it significantly simplifies that process. And again, you can extend it beyond healthcare uh, to um, a living will, uh, to assets, et cetera, et cetera. It could be as limited or as large as you want. But for our purposes today, we're talking about healthcare and what, what medical treatment the patient wants or does not want. But again, going back to my mother-in-law, she clearly knew what she wanted and what she did not want. And what she did not want is she did not want to live to be 100 because she felt that her abilities would be so diminished uh, that she just did not want that. And I had to learn to respect that. I had to learn to respect that. So. One of the things about validation of that written document, which we call an advanced directives, 
which are our directions in advance about what a patient wants with their health care, particularly doing end-of-life situations. And one of the things about that document is that it must be signed. Now, as with a lot of legal types of stuff, nothing is, is simple, simple. Um, not only does it have to be signed, if possible, uh, but uh, it has to be witnessed. Um, at, or you can get a notary. So let me go over that again. The document should be signed um, and witnessed by two people, or the document can be notarized, and that serves in the place of having the two witnesses to validate the document as legal. So the whole the whole issue here is um, uh, the state wants to make sure that the patient is competent and is not being coerced in terms of signing this document, um, but even, even if it only has to do with uh, medical conditions or medical services. They want to make sure that the patient is competent and the patient is not being coerced. And, and one, one of the ways uh, the state of California at least does that is that if the patient chooses to have two witnesses, these this is a list of individuals who cannot be one of those witnesses. It cannot be a health agent. A witness cannot be a health care provider. A witness cannot be an employee of a health care provider. A witness cannot be an operator of a community care facility. A witness to an advanced directive cannot be an employee of a, of a community care facility. A witness to an advanced directive cannot be an operator of a residential care facility for the elderly. And a witness to an advanced directive cannot be an employee of a residential care facility for the elderly. So what's the point here? The point is that whoever witnesses a patient's advanced directive must be what we call a disinterested party. That's sort of a legal term, but it must be someone who cannot benefit in any way from the decision that the patient has made pro or con or one way or another in terms of signing this, this document. It must be a disinterested party. Now, one of the two witnesses uh, must not be related, uh, and this is in California, must not be related to the patient by blood, marriage, or adoption, and must not be entitled to any part of the patient's estate by operation of law or under under the patient's will. Because remember, here, you can expand that beyond the medical treatment to include your assets and your, and your will and, and et cetera, et cetera. So again, um, uh, it must be, um, the witnesses must be basically disinterested parties. Now, the alternative to validation of the advanced directive document the alternative to having two witnesses is to have the document notarized, to have the document notarized. And the way to do that is you call in a notary. Uh, he or she will come in. They are licensed individuals by the state uh, of California. Uh, and I'm sure you have notaries in your state also. Um, and they basically have a process that they go through where they ask certain questions 
Um, uh, they uh, have individuals to sign, uh, have the patient to sign certain things. Um, um, and they have ways of showing that the patient is competent. Um, and uh, by doing that, they then uh, put the seal, put the notary seal to the document, and it then uh, becomes a legal document. So notary is one of those things that's very important. And you might say, well, why in the world would I use a notary? Why don't I just get an attorney? Well, you can certainly get an attorney. Um, and let, let me just say this. Um, you can have an attorney to set up your advanced directives. But in my opinion, you don't need to have an attorney to set up your advanced directives. Many individuals are, are hesitant about getting attorneys because they, they're worried about the, the costs. Um, and, and rightfully so. And I can certainly understand that. Um, so if that is a concern, it is not a requirement. Again, doctors' offices and hospitals can assist you with uh, the processes that we've outlined so far uh, without the need for you to go out and hire your own attorney. You can if you choose, but you don't have to, is the point I'm trying to make. One of the things that the uh, notary will do is that they will identify your, who you say you are. And they do that with basic things like a driver's license or something something very similar. Uh, and then the second part of what the notary does is that they have to evaluate your competency. Um, and I'll give an example. If the patient, say, is comatose, where the patient cannot speak uh, and cannot communicate uh, yes, no uh, uh, to an individual's uh, the notary um, uh, cannot uh, do their work. In other words, they, they, it, it, the notary does not work under those circumstances because the patient must be competent to be able to communicate. Um, and so in that situation, the, the notary uh, would, would, would not be an option. Okay. So basically what I'm saying is do this ahead of time. Do not wait until individuals are very, very ill uh, in the hospital and there's worry or concern about what, what may or may not happen, uh, doing a routine visit to the doctor. And most uh, older patients are going to have a lot of doctor appointments. Doing one of those doctor appointments, uh, say, I would like to have an advanced directive. Or if you go with them, you say it for them. Obviously, after you've had that conversation with them, or you know, the patient may say, "I, I want to start that conversation now." They they may not want to decide right then, but at least you can start the conversation, or the patient can start the conversation with their doctor in addition with their family. So do that ahead of, of time. And, and if there's anything I want you to take away from this discussion, is do it ahead of time. Now, there are other types of um, um, directions or orders that patients can give, so in, certainly in the state of California. And this could be for people who are outside of the hospital. Um, let's say you have a particular chronic condition uh, where, let, let's say you have a, a, a particular chronic condition where you may lose consciousness. Um, uh, the paramedic is called, you're brought to the hospital, um, taken care of and go back home. 
Um, there we have in the state of California something called the POST, P-O-L-S-T, and that stands for Physician and Paramedic Orders for Life-Sustaining Treatment. Um, there are some people who, uh, depending on their age and depending on their medical condition, do not want certain things done to them outside of the hospital. Um, and at least in the state of California, they can, uh, again, sign that document ahead of time and um, uh, that document uh, can be presented to paramedics and others who may come to their home. This is primarily for outpatient services. Um, most of our discussion today is about the advanced directives, which is directed to hospital services. Other types of things that occur in hospitals and that, that can be a part of uh, the advanced directive uh, is um, uh, DNR or do not resuscitate. And some of you may have heard of that. Um, uh, this may be there are some patients who uh, are coming to the hospital and depending on how severe their condition uh, has been, uh, but may have required resuscitation more than one time. And some of them have may have decided that they just don't want that done anymore. Um, this can clearly be part of um, a, an advanced directive. Again, directions given in advance of patients being severely ill uh, in a hospital. Um, now, do not resuscitate does not mean do not treat. Do not resuscitate only means do not do cardiac resuscitation if I'm in the hospital should my heart stop. So there's, there's a difference between that, and it's important not to get those two confused. So what, one, one of the things to keep in mind is that with the advanced directives, the purpose is to put the patient in charge. That's the purpose. And that's why you want to do it sooner rather than later. Um, uh, as you get the family together, uh, or as you sit down with, 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 with your elders in the family, uh, have that conversation. Or with the next doctor's appointment, and let's say you take mom or dad or, or one, one of the members of your family to that doctor's appointment, ask them, uh, why don't we bring this up with the doctor and, and um, get, their, get their input about how can we go about this? But all I'm saying is, Start the conversation. Admittedly, it's a challenging conversation. Admittedly, it's a difficult conversation. But I can guarantee you, in my 75 years of life, in my 50-plus years of, of medical practice, I have seen far too many episodes of distress and pain and agony uh, for patients um, um, and, and, and families uh, specifically uh, because there, there were no instructions ahead of time. So I, I would implore you uh, to seriously think about uh, having that, that challenge and discussion um, with your loved ones um, and setting up an advanced directive. Again, in advance, you know, when you go to your regular doctor's visit with mom or dad, have that conversation with your family physician or any physician. Or when you go to the hospital, have that conversation. And most hospitals, as I said, are required by law 
uh, to ask you if you have an advanced directive, if you're being admitted for some reason, and to assist you in developing one. But don't wait until then. Do it ahead of time. Uh, and I can assure you, you would be happy uh, that you're doing this. Uh, I believe very strongly, as I said, with the opening beliefs that care is about making a contribution to others. We're all caregivers for the for the elderly. We're all caregivers. Um, and they don't have to be our family members or our mothers or our grandparents or aunts or uncles. Uh, they're human beings. There may be individuals we see in the grocery store or uh, at a bus stop or in church or wherever. But we're, but but just remember, we're all caregivers. Um, but certainly, this is something that you can do within your family uh, and with loved ones uh, to assist them uh, and and those around them on this road. So, in summary, uh, we've had a discussion about some things to do. Uh, include that involve end of life issues, and indeed, advanced directives is in general one of those end of life issues. It's primarily designed for individuals with chronic illnesses or and or who are elderly. Um, uh, it is basically uh, defined as given directions in advance about incapacitating illnesses. In other words, do you want to be connected to um, a ventilator should you be uh, get to the point where you are unable to breathe by on your own? Uh, yes or no? Those are some of the types of questions that individuals can make decisions about should they choose to. Or as a part of this process, you can also appoint what we call an agent. So the patient may say, well, you know, I, I, I don't understand all that stuff, but my son, my um, second son or oldest son or daughter uh, will be my agent. I, I I trust them to make all those decisions for me. That is clearly okay. And so uh, that is clearly an option uh, that individuals can put in the advanced directive. So-and-so is my agent, and he or she uh, can make all these decisions for me. And it does not have to be a family member. The patient can decide if they're competent, and they would be competent if they're doing an advanced directive, who that agent is. Um, but someone who can represent the wishes of the patient is what's important. Again, you can certainly um, have an attorney to do this. And um, um, to all my attorney friends, uh, but you don't have to have an attorney to do this. Um, many times the doctor's office or the hospital itself can help you with this process. Uh, and in conclusion, as I always like to say, my basic principles, uh, I believe God is in charge. I know God is in charge of my life. Uh, and indeed, uh, my life has been uh, blessed uh, to this stage uh, because of that. Um, number two, I have no bad days. I used to have bad days, but about 20, 30 years ago, I figured out days were good or bad if I said they were. So I decided that I would have no more bad days. Uh, don't sweat the small stuff. Most stuff is small. Third principle. Um, and what I've learned is that when I experience a situation that I perceive as negative, that most of the times it's never as bad as I think it is. Uh, and I've learned to move on from that. Uh, principle number four, forgiveness is therapy. Um, again, what I have learned that when someone does something in my perception to me or creates a situation that is negative uh, uh, to me, uh, I forgive them immediately. 
Uh, that is my goal. I work very hard at that. I'm not always 100%, but I work very hard at that. Uh, because what I have learned is that forgiveness is therapy. Uh, and many times it doesn't matter who's right or wrong and all that sort of stuff. Just forgive. Just forgive and let it go. And the fourth, uh, the fifth principle is that everything is a relationship in life. Uh, and relationships are based on three things, mutual respect, mutual trust, good communication. If you have uh, those three things, you have a good relationship. If you do not have those three things, you have work to do. If you like these podcasts and would like to hear more, we have done over 30 of them this year. Uh, I would encourage you to subscribe to the Health, Wealth, and Wise podcast. You can go to www.buzzsprout.com uh, forward slash 2101003. That's www.buzzsprout.com forward slash 2101003. And finally, be the change that you want to see in the world. Thank you and have a terrific day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthy, Wealthy and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD. Be sure to check out other great episodes covering areas of health, wealth and wisdom at thwwp.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the books, blogs and other literature in your preferred format. And don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, share, and support the podcast. That's at thwwp.com. You've been listening to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD.